it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on this day after Christmas. We'll be with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Mr. Tate, you survived Christmas okay? Yeah, I got fooled yesterday by turning off the Minnesota-Iowa game too early. (laughs) I would bet that you're not the only person that did that because you're in the same room and talking to somebody else who did it when uh, Iowa was ahead by seven with... 40-some 40 40 seconds. seconds. Yeah, I, I thought there was, I thought uh, Iowa had pulled it out. If you missed it, Minnesota won it in overtime, 102-95. to 95. So Minnesota evens its Big Ten record at 1-1, one and one, and the Golden Gophers are 8-1 and one overall. And that one loss, of course, came here in Champaign-Urbana. Yeah, that's the same Minnesota team that Illinois defeated 92-65 to 65 and in a real runaway, although... It was, uh, you know, that game started off real slow for Illinois. They it got did. behind about 18 to 10 early, and then Curbelo came in the game, and I'm going to give you a series of, of, of plays here in, in order. Curbelo, two free throws. Kofi Dunk, pass from Curbelo. Kofi layup, pass from Curbelo. Io, fast break layup, pass from Curbelo. <laughs> Curbelo makes a difference sometimes, doesn't he? He does. He had 15 points and eight assists in the uh, win at Penn State, which also <laughs> – Started rather slowly, 19-4 to out of the gate. That was really bad. It was, and then uh, the Illini kind of blitzed them after that. But you'd like to, to see some more solid starts of ball games. Maybe that will happen this afternoon. Indiana in town for a 3 o'clock game. I've been saving up a question for you, okay. Steve. I'm going to surprise you with this one. You've got to give me an answer. Okay. How valuable is the home court when there are no fans? I think it's still valuable, but... Not as valuable by a long shot. Okay. Wisconsin, first. Well, here's a good example. First time they've won in East Lansing since 2004. Oh, man. They and they've had some pretty good teams. Oh, man. They played, so, they played so good in that game. Northwestern winning at Indiana. Okay, there's two examples. Yeah. So I, I think it's good on the when you look at the fact that the, the home team is the home team. They're sleeping in their own well, beds and they're doing their just own thing. For your, just so you know, the record right now for Big Ten teams at home is... 69 and 9. Okay. 69 and 9. Now, that includes some games early, and yet some of those games were ACC Challenge. I mean, they, sure. they weren't all easy. And um, the, the, the record away from home is 9 and 16. Well, two of those away from home wins came yesterday with, That's right. with Wisconsin winning at Michigan State That's and right. Michigan winning at Nebraska. How about the Big Ten basketball on Christmas Day? Did you like that? Yeah, I did. I did too. I mean, you know, just sitting around. I mean, I I had a I had a really good Christmas. Travis came over and and um, you know and 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 his his wife Chelsea's pregnant now. There's going to be another one popping up with her in a, in a few months. And so 
we just sat around. But, but you know, yeah, you can watch TV and watch the games. You may, may not pay as much attention to them as you might if you were studying them, but we kind of kept track of things, and, or I did anyway. Wisconsin, in a battle of top 12 teams, beat Michigan State 85-76. The Badgers 2-0 and in the Big Ten, 8-1 and overall. Michigan State now 0-2 in conference play, 6-2 and on the season. That's a different Michigan State team, Steve. It is. I mean, they've got... They've got a couple of guys. That, I mean, they've got some good players, but I, w- I Langley has been a isn't near the player that I thought he was going to be, and I thought he's going to be dominant. And this, here, he, and you know, if you go back to his high school career, and 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 uh, he was he was so highly regarded, and then he comes into Michigan State, and he's just been hurt so much, and this is his third year. I mean, the two years that he's just set out so much. Um, and Hauser's a good player, but they don't have the dominant center that they've had over the years. Michigan State doesn't. Right. And they don't have the super point guard that they've had either. I mean, they've still got really good players, but it's just a different team. Purdue led most of the way, then held off Maryland 73-70. to The Boilermakers, 2-1 and one in the league, 7-3 and three overall. Michigan, number 19, still undefeated at 7-0 and with an 80-69 to win at Nebraska. And we mentioned uh, number four, Iowa, going down to Minnesota last night, 102-95 to in overtime. So both uh, the Hawkeyes and the Golden Gophers are 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten. Two games today, number 23, Ohio State plays at Northwestern. There's an early season story of Northwestern, yep. Yep. 2-0 in the league. And then Indiana at 0-2 in the league is at Illinois at 3 o'clock, the Illini 2-1. In Big Ten play. By the way, that game next Saturday against Purdue is a five o'clock start at the uh, State Farm Center. If you hadn't seen that, I brought up the home and away thing uh, for uh, Illinois and Indiana since 2000. Okay, this century, Illinois is 13 and four at home and four and 12 at Indiana. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. reverse. Yep. Let's see. This is our last show of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. You check the contract. Are we on board for 2021? I don't have any idea. We just go week to I week. I go on. day by day. I don't go week by week. <laughs> you may go week by I'll week. I'll tell you what. I just, I, what about what about tomorrow? Yeah. That's what I'm on. Well, I know we don't have a show tomorrow. Okay, well, I got one Monday. <laughs> yes, so do I. And then I'm working with you on Tuesday, by the way. On Good. The, I don't know if anybody told you that yet. But we'll uh, dazzle them with <laughs> we'll, your footwork. We'll <laughs> <laughs> so we better check to see if we're still around for 2021. Talk about the the weirdness of the year and how things on one hand time is going slowly on the other hand is going quickly last saturday was one of the busier days we'll have yep. and it seemed like forever ago now oh, it's yeah. only been a week ago with the, the hiring of the new football yeah, we, coach you know telling what uh, bielema has done since then exactly by the way i'm not even going to try to pronounce it any way that anybody wants i'm just going to say it the way it, it comes out the way you've always said it yeah <laughs> the way most everybody else has always said it yeah so but uh, he's got a lot of work to do. He's been reaching out to recruits, and he's been, I'm sure, reaching out uh, to people that he might be interested in bringing in on the staff. Haven't heard much about that, but he's looking for a couple of coordinators. And and as far as guys he might retain, uh, those announcements uh, won't come until he gets his coordinators and gets their input on, on the people that will serve under them. Yeah, it's it's anybody's guess. I mean, I... He's got so many contacts going back to Wisconsin and, of course, now in the NFL and, and people that he's worked with. And, uh, you know, a lot of talk about Ash, who was, has worked with him before and was the former head coach at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I mean, it's, uh, 
the the thing I'm just as interested in is how many of these seniors are going to come back and whether they can find some extra linebackers somewhere because when he goes to that 3-4, that's four linebackers. And I know that these are combo players that you have to be able to play line and 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 cover. But uh, I, I'm anxious to see the defense that he's put together. A couple of offensive linemen made it official this week, Kramer and uh, Alex Palczewski, Doug Kramer. They announced they will be, be, be back. There wasn't much of a... Surprise on Paucho since he got hurt and had knee surgery. Yeah. You thought he'd probably be ACL back. made the decision. Yeah, that's what he said. He said uh, it was pretty easy. The ACL made that call. And it happened, I mean, those guys now will be among the most uh, experienced uh, offensive linemen in the Big Ten. And uh, it'll be good to see them back, and we'll see what happens with the rest of them. By the way, before you get off this whole subject, you and I talked already about players coming back. Think, think of all the players that are going to come back in basketball. I'll bet you that Frazier and DeMonte both come back uh, for Illinois. And I was that, I, that Wisconsin team, four of the five guys in, that are out there on the court the other day, yesterday, were uh, fifth-year seniors. Now they're going to be sixth-year seniors next year. They, they'll be, they might play there until they're 30. I don't know. They, One of them was 24, I know. Yeah, they've got guys there that you think have been there back uh, like uh, Jess Settles. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He has seven years? I, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, him and there was a guy at North, Northwestern too that did the same thing. But they they seem like they've been there forever. And those guys will, and other Big Ten fans around the country will be saying that about uh, Trent Frazier and Demonte. They may be saying that now. Yeah, it seems like they've been around forever as well and likely to be back. You did some research. You know what are their options? And you know I'm guessing guys that aren't probably going to make it uh, at the next level at least in the NBA would consider staying around or if they're you know done with basketball and ready to enter the real world what's the job market look like that right now for them Europe doesn't look no. so hot does it it and doesn't in the G League they, they, you know they, they've, they've upped the, the, the pay but the the minimum is 26,000 a year and the average is about 35 and of course then you've got all number of players that are in the G League that have had a two-week stay in the NBA or a, a one month or however long. So the, when you go to the NBA, you get the minimum uh, NBA minimum, and that's a lot more money. So uh, prorated, it, it, you know, it it would make a big difference if you get called up. But um, I just don't know if there's room for <laughs> everybody, particularly with with uh, these leagues. Not you know, we don't know the, the status of these leagues in the future, right. in the near future. We are off and rolling on this day after Christmas edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're here until 11 o'clock. We'll preview the uh, basketball game this afternoon at 3 o'clock against Indiana. Our game day coverage begins at 1 today. We'll also uh, talk some other Big Ten items as well. Your phone calls are welcome. We'll take our first time out and be back with more here on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who found a bright spot over the weekend. DeMonte Williams. It is 9-14. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. One thing I wanted to mention before the break, and I kind of slipped my mind, but uh, sad to hear about the passing of longtime SIU basketball coach Rich Heron. Mike Reese, who does the play-by-play for the Salukis and has for a long time, uh, put that out on uh, Twitter. Uh, Rich Heron, one of the uh, a few legends from that part of the state, along with Rich Itchy yeah, Jones. He, he coached uh, Collins uh, at uh, Her- mm-hmm. Heron, didn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Benton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heron coached at Benton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And he and Itch Jones were good buddies over the years, too, from Heron and Itch. Uh-huh. We're good friends from yeah. down in the uh, southern part of the state. It is uh, 914, as I mentioned. Let's welcome into the program former Illinois Athletic Director Ron Gunther. Uh, happy holidays, Ron. How are you this morning? Good. Good. How are you guys? Good. We want to just kind of touch base with you. I haven't talked to you for a little while, a few months at least. And uh, are you still involved uh, with the um, the Big Ten Conference as far as uh, consulting work there? And kind of get us up to date on what's keeping you busy. <laughs> Yeah, somehow I survived the changeover. Um, you know, we changed commissioners. Uh, Jim Delaney retired. Kevin uh, Warren came in and kindly asked me to continue, which, which I really enjoyed. And so um, it's been a very unusual year. I usually work with uh, football coaches and, and uh, the official, Bill Corolla. So that part of it was uh, we're, we're basically done until we get through the bowls. And then uh, we'll go back to looking uh, at, at the officials. Um, you know, we've got a competitive program so some of those guys will be dropped out some will be moving on to the nfl so and then and then it's a, a just a question what kevin would uh, kevin warren would want me to do i've been working with uh different uh athletic directors through the years since i retired the new guys kind of um you know if they want advice i can give it if they don't want to get the advice they don't call but uh Usually it's uh, more of an orientation of how our league works. So I'm looking forward to it um, again this year. Um, it's been an incredibly challenging fall for everybody involved, officials, players, and coaches. So, uh, And I'm sure the media people had, had, had it as challenging. So that's what I've been up to. Well, Ron, one of the, this is Lauren. One of the controversial yeah. things was the, the vote on whether to uh, allow uh, Ohio State to advance even though they couldn't play that final game with Michigan. They didn't have the required number of games. And, and uh, of course, uh, Indiana folks were a little unhappy with that. Just give me your take on that whole thing and how it came about, uh, the vote, and, and what you thought of it. Well, I, you know, Gary Barta is the chair of that committee, and he had to recuse himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Gary, Gary does a great, great job. So I, I don't have a real any, insight into how that worked. I just know that uh, the committee, uh, what I do know is that the committee said they would not hold a number of games, uh, not hold anybody accountable to that. And I don't know the listeners realize this, but our, our league, our league is uh, run by our presidents. It's a little bit different in the Big 12, the ACC, um, the athletic directors have much more control. So once um, we got started with the COVID issue in August, our presidents uh, had a presentation by a number of presentations by the medical people, and they made the decision to ratchet back our year. So <clears throat> what I think unfolded, and we just got caught, Ohio State was canceled uh, and canceled here, uh, so they dropped the Illinois game, and it didn't take much. You know, we had eight games on the books, and... Uh, we were lucky that we could even get six. By the time uh, we were losing institutions, we had players that were out. Um, so I think when um, they they looked at the eye test, they looked at the the, the games themselves. Um, I felt very strongly, um, and I, I know our commissioner did as well. That Ohio State definitely belonged in that four, regardless of the six. You just hit the sore spot, though. I really felt Indiana belonged in the mix. And I think they were ranked seven, maybe six in some polls, seven or eight. And for them to be dropped 
as far down as they they were, I think, really hurt. And um, they had a really good football team. They had a really good year. And, you know, they, they came back to, to play Ohio State uh, to within seven, uh, controlled the second half of that game, really. So uh, they may have looked at the injury uh, in, in the fact that their quarterback had gotten hurt. Um, but at the same time, I thought they deserved to be in there. But how it all went down, I can't tell you. I just, I just know, you know, politics should not play into it. But as Jim Delaney would tell you, it, 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 there's a lot of politics at certain times. Ron, how concerned are you? Are you concerned at all about the lopsided nature of football in that it's Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State every year, it seems like. And, and uh, it just uh, it's bothersome to me that, that it's become so uh, clear cut every year and, and uh, teams like uh, other teams have such a hard time uh, competing because of the recruiting is anything can do you see anything ever changing there? Yeah, I do. I think you know I, I keep coming back. You and I are old enough to remember the Ohio State Michigan dominance in the 70s, as mm-hmm. you recall. And, and it, it's, it's cyclable. I mean, there's enough athletes um, that we should be able to get it done. I mean, what hurt this year? is our brands of Michigan, of Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan State, um, Illinois. I mean, we had, we had institutions that were, I think, didn't play to the capability, uh, their capabilities, if you will. I don't see the gap. I mean, there's no question that Alabama continues to uh, roll those kids in. Um, but with the 85 rule, um, and, and I will say this, that, you know, the, 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 the institutions in the north, we, we've got a certain type of player. We know what we can get. And then down south, uh, where there's more football, more, more football being played at a serious level, particularly in the high schools and, and the age group, there are more athletes, it seems to me, down south than they are up here. There's the concern. I mean, I think you recruit as hard as you can in your region. But then you've got to have inroads into those areas and try to get those athletes that we, you know, a lot of our athletes turn to basketball on. I mean, we've got yeah. we've, we've got we've got athletes, and part of that is weather, but part of it's uh, the culture that we have up here. So I'm not as concerned. I do think that we need to get uh, those Illinois included. Um, you're going to have a change probably at some point with Kirk at, at, at Iowa. But when you get in a position to um, make a change as Illinois is going through, you would hope that uh, we can, we can uh, again, compete on a national level. Obviously, Clemson, Alabama, they've owned it here for a couple of years, uh, more than a couple, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't see us being down and out forever. Talking things over with Ron Gunther. It was a week ago today that uh, Josh Whitman uh, named uh, Brett Bielma, the new coach for Fighting Illini football. Your thoughts on that hire? Well, I, I think it's great, and um, I, I think uh, Josh should be congratulated. There, there was a slate of, of individuals. I did not take part in it, by the way. I, I, had, I had my chance to, 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 to get involved long enough. But, uh, you know, I used to talk about uh, institutional fit, and I talked to Josh long enough a uh, year ago or so about what I meant by that. But when you've got an institution – like Illinois, and then I look at Brett uh, and, and an institution like Wisconsin. I mean, they're both uh, highly academic institutions. He, he has done it uh, there. He knows the, he's an Illinois guy. He knows uh, the Midwest. So uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of positives uh, 
Um, I, I really was disappointed when he decided to take the move, um, but I also understood it. I mean, I did talk to him about that move to Arkansas, and that's a, that's a cultural change. But I also know that he had worked under Barry from the time that he was an athlete at, 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 at Iowa. So, you know, <clears throat> but I think, I think if people give this, uh, this guy a little time, I think he'll build it in the right way. He knows how to do it. He's been around some really, really good football coaches. You know better than anybody else what it takes to uh, to win here at Illinois and why there hasn't been that consistency that uh, everybody would like to see. And now that you're away from the Illinois day-to-day, why has it uh, been so tough for somebody to come in here and get uh, you know a team that's consistently in bowl games? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think, again, I mean, expectations, as you know, both Turner and Zook, the two guys I hired, had, had peaks. And I do think that to, to think that anyone, I'm looking at Nebraska, quite honestly, anybody that takes a look at this league, there isn't, Ohio State is the one exception that has gone through some changes here and has maintained their dominance. But, but there, uh, if you talk to Coach Alvarez, he will tell you how close he came to being shown out of Wisconsin, uh, he had to take some time. You get your players, but it's a year-to-year situation. And one of the things I told uh, Coach Bielma was, you know, if you're going to take a look at, at, at a time to come into a situation like Illinois, who would have thought that you had Penn State, Michigan, and Nebraska basically not be eligible for bowl? And 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 when there's changes. Um, you just, I, mean, I think it's a, the timing is very, very good. But I also think it, you have to have the patience to realize that you're going to have some spurts, you're going to have some starts. What you're hoping to do in building a program like Illinois is that you're in the bowl business. Six and six is the, the bottom watermark. Six in the bowl business every year, and then you're going to hit the peak. Uh, it's a it's a it's an Iowa model. If you look at Kirk's 22 years, or I think it's around 22. You're going to see that he had some down strokes, but for the most part, very, very competitive, middle to upper third of the league, and I think that 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 is probably as good as uh, I'd like to see it get done. And I think I think I think uh, Brett will get it done for Illinois. Uh, Ron, are, are you uh, on top of the bowl situation this year as, as to how many have actually just dropped and, and aren't going to be having? Uh... Uh, yeah, I think I do not have an exact number. I mean, I, I know that uh, in our league, you know, we had uh, we have 14 institutions. We had five. We could have sent six or seven. Um, but if you look at uh, who dropped, I, mean, I think Phoenix still wanted to go. Um, I think Nebraska could have attended that bowl game, but their their athletes and uh, administration decided not to pursue it. But um, I'd have to go back. Um, I didn't look at it that close. I mean, I was looking at what our league had, the number of institutions we had eligible, and then taking a look at, you know, who is who is basically Detroit canceled, New York canceled, uh, San Diego canceled as it went through the. But I also think that they were looking at the number of uh, institutions that we actually had bowl eligible at the time as well. But it's it, it, these are not money makers anymore at this particular time, no. are they? With the pandemic and all. No. I mean, yeah. for for the oh, schools, they, it's costly. I would think. Yes. Well, it's yeah, yeah. It's what what I think what we agreed to uh, is to become uh, <clears throat> basically uh, cost zero. So the institute, it's it's not going to be a 
typical bowl experience. It's going to be fly in, get your hotel. They're probably going to get, I think, I think Orlando did a really good job. I think covered all expenses. Um, but for, for the most part, the payout, if you will, will cover the game, getting to the game, 24 hours, play the game, come back home. So it's an additional game, basically, but it's not the typical bowl experience. Um, and television, you know, really, again, uh, took a hit. Um, they they had uh, with their sponsorship money, et cetera. So I think uh, at the end of the day, we're looking at a break even for most of it. And if you, if, and I looked at, we're in, uh, obviously Ohio State's taken care of. That, that, that group is fine. But Northwestern is Citrus. They'll go to Florida. And then Indiana will be in Tampa. Uh, Iowa and Nashville, and then Wisconsin will be in Charlotte. So those are all fairly close. Um, and I and I think um, after that, if and I know for a fact when, like Illinois ended up going to San Francisco, that was that was a loser financially. Those bowls just did not have the money to pay it out. Ron, I've never asked you this, I don't think. But what's your reaction to the transfer rule? When we go into January here, it looks like the the, the yeah. Division One Council is going to su- support the idea of. Just free for all, <laughs> free for all, yeah. uh, open. Yeah. You know. what, what's your reaction? Well, I'm just glad I did it when I did it. I mean, I started, you know, I started coaching uh, high school and moved into the university stuff about 1971 through 70. Well, actually, always 79. I, I, I really think we've lost our way. I'll be very honest. Um, you know, it's it's um, the, the the transfer portal and and. I, I, I just think that we have forgotten that these young people are should be coming uh, and looking at institutions. Institution makes a commitment to them. They should be looking at their education, who they want to play for. And then part of life is getting hit in the nose. I mean, I was looking at uh, Coach uh, Bielemus. You know, he walked on at Iowa, got a scholarship after his sophomore year, Started as a junior, became captain as a as as a senior, graduates from Iowa and gets on his business. I, I look at when you started covering Illinois, the number of people that we all came to school hoping to get an education, and a scholarship, and now uh, it 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 would be very tough personally for me to coach coach them hard. I call it, and and I think Brett will do that here. Coach them hard, and then what happens if you don't want to be coached hard? You pick up and you move. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a different. Your roster is going to almost look different every year. And so I, I, I understand the pressure that maybe some of these families are, are putting on the presidents. But I think, I think it's a slippery slope. And I think if, if you add the transfer, Malorn, with the pay for play, um, I don't think we're going to be looking at intercollegiate athletics anywhere near what it is today. Five years from now. Well, we're also going to move into the uh, NIL era, where you name, image, Correct. and likeness. You can get paid for it. I, the, the thing I see coming that's going to really be dangerous is, you know, that in the business of recruiting, that some of that's going to come into play, whether you like it or not. Oh. It just will. Yeah, I think it's already there. Quite honestly, you know, I mean, it's uh, it will be there, and uh, you know, you're going to have. Uh, Coca-Cola, or you name it, local local companies, etc., uh, put paying for, you know, for for, for uh, billboards, for instance. But that's what I meant. I, it, it, it's uh, I don't know that the pendulum will ever come back, but I think we're going to be, it, it's going to be a very very challenging uh, period of time here if all of this gets passed. 
Another minute or two with Ron Gunther. Looking into your crystal ball, next fall, do you see the Big Ten football schedule starting on time? And and, and in Dublin. In Dublin, <laughs> that's one, one subject. And then how far are we from having fans back at games? Well, and I, I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you guys. Every time I feel like uh, you know I can get in line, well, of course, Steve, you got to wait. Lauren and I are right in front of that line to get the the first the first shot. But as as I as I more I look at this, uh, there's a lot of out of our control. I think most of us are hoping for some normalcy um, next year, and hopefully, again, I have no idea. I mean, they may have a travel restriction in in the game uh, over there. Um, but, um, you know, a lot depends on uh, this country getting control of the COVID. And uh, if, 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 if we can, um, of course, I've been looking at games as you guys have in the South. I mean, uh, some of those games look like they still got 50,000 people into them. You know, we're playing with empty stadiums, empty arenas. But if, if we can make some progress, uh, during the spring and summer, I would hope that we would have somewhat of a normal fall. I have no idea what what they might do relative to the fan base and the spectator in these stadiums, though. You think uh, Kevin Warren has had any rethoughts about taking this job? I mean, the timing of when he uh, took over couldn't have been worse, as it turned out, a couple of months after he was hired. Yeah, I I. I, I I told him, uh, I guess it was yesterday or the day before, and he couldn't have had a worst-case scenario for him to start, quite honestly. And, you know, even even without the without the COVID, we had the elect- – everything everything was coming. Uh, Black Lives Matter, there's all kinds of stuff that happened this past year that he had to uh, be part of. So uh, I, I, I would just tell you that I told him that, Try to take a day or two and enjoy the holidays here with his family because uh, we're, we're going to get started here in basketball. And we've got to navigate our way through the end of uh, what we hope is uh, closing down of this COVID situation. But uh, I feel bad for him because, and, and I know he has used Jim in counsel, but Jim isn't the guy pulling the trigger either. So um, I think it's been rough on coaches, athletes, commissioners, fans, television, everybody. Well, Ron, I got to ask you one that I know you won't want to answer, but was Jimmy Phillips, who is now in the commissioner of the SEC, will be very soon. ACC. Uh, I'm sorry. What did I say? You said SEC. uh, ACC, absolutely. ACC. um, Did he have a real shot at the Big Ten thing when Warren got it? I think so. Mm -hmm. You think it came down to those two? I do. Okay. Uh, Again, I was not in the room. Um, You know, these are – presidential decisions um i think a lot of us obviously uh, uh and i didn't know uh, kevin warren i didn't know that who the candidates were i just know that the uh, the directors that i worked with and uh i think we all felt really really good about uh, jim obviously particularly that he's uh had great history with us and i thought he was very well positioned and ready so um, talk to him. I think he's excited as heck. I'd love to have had him as our commissioner, but at the same time, world moves, you know, he moves on, and uh, Kevin Warren's our guy here. Hey, Ron, always good to catch up with you. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll do it again soon, if you don't mind. No, great, and uh, you guys have a wonderful holiday, and uh, behave.
<laughs> behaved you. All right. I've, I've been babysitting Lauren all this time, so I guess my job continues. Yeah, yeah. Well, stay away from me. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Yep. Ron Gunther with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, 934. Got a period of time here up to the top of the hour with an open line. What's on your mind? Give us a call, 356-9397. We're back with more. We'll talk some Illinois basketball after this. Join us later today for Fighting Illini Basketball against Indiana. It's Illinois and the Hoosiers at 3, Illini game day at 1 o'clock today on DWS. It is moving up on 937. We're here until 11 o'clock this morning. Feel free to join us. We've got a couple of guests lined up in the uh, second hour, but until then... Got plenty of room for an open line, 356-9397. Let's go to the phones in Champaign. Eric is calling. Good morning, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you both. Same um, to you. Uh, I wanted to, an interesting topic about the transfers. I was reading a really good article, Pete Thamel from Yahoo. Yeah. He's, he's been doing some really good stuff. And mm-hmm. he mentioned, you know, there's, there's way, way, way more players than there are slots available to transfer to. You know, and like you mentioned, like when you go into that transfer portal, you give up your your scholarship, just you know, gone. So um, I, I don't know. People are going to find out that the numbers game just doesn't add up because there's a limited amount. I mean, as you know, that you can bring in in one year. I think is what is it, thirty five, twenty five, something like that. that you Tw- twenty five is the number for one year. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and eighty five yeah, for total, and, except that there's no eighty five limit this year. Because of the because of the pandemic, they just they just well, let it go because all the seniors can come back. Well, you said no eighty five limit. You're talking about for next. I'm talking for twenty one, right? Not for for twenty. Is that we're talking about? It's always it's always eighty five. But this year, mm. you can bring in more than you can have more than eighty five players on because because of the seniors that can come back. Mm. You realize that all the seniors that are so seniors the senior, now. What you're saying is the seniors will not count against that number. That's right. Yes. The ones that well don't they have to also agree to to bring them back too? Like you don't automatically yes. come back. Yes. To yes. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting numbers game. Which yeah. Now Northwestern Northwestern they they've they've agreed to take any senior that wants to come back and come back. Now Lovey mm-hmm. didn't say that. He said that any basically what he said was any senior that I want to come back and they want to come back will will accept them. But but. Uh, uh, you know, so every every school can treat this differently. Uh, well, and that's the case every year. I mean, you, you have your player-coach meetings after the year. Scholarships are a year at a time. Not everybody's going to come back. No, that's not true, Steve. You have a guaranteed four years now. When you I know, come. but what I'm saying is that— You just don't have a guaranteed fifth year. Right, but I'm saying those meetings are happening every year, and the yeah. player may decide— at that time, right, but there's no limit on it this year. You right, can just right. take you can have a hundred players on your squad yes. on scholarship, as opposed to eighty five. Go ahead, Eric. We didn't mean to butt you um, out. Uh, no, no, it's okay. Um, and and then um, onto another topic about uh, ba- you know skipping ahead to baseball. You know, it, we're we're starting to run into. <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of talk about it, but the same arguments that we were having last year because owners do not want to play at empty stadiums again, lose all that money. Players want the hundred and sixty two games and. And they still don't even know when spring training is. I mean, it's going to start, and they don't know where, and they don't know when the season's going to start and all this kind of stuff. So I just can't believe that we're going to be back into this kind of mess again because we don't know when 
fans are going to be allowed, or, you know, if at all, or win and all that kind of stuff. Eric, who's your favorite baseball team? Uh, whoever my bank, I, I have loyalty to my bankroll, not a team. <laughs> 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 to be honest, but I do like the Cardinals. I like the organization. I like the way they do things. Well, let me ask you this. But like the basic yeah. point of me asking you that was, would you go to a major league stadium, Bush Stadium, Wrigley Field, whatever, would you go in April or May or June or any time in 2021 and watch a baseball game? I would, but that's just me. Sure. <laughs> you know, I love going to ball games. But, um, um, no, it's a, it's a good question because yeah, you're going to sit next to people you don't know who've got a shot, have they got it, did they not get it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's the, I think we still got a mess for a lot of this year. And, and um I don't know. Um, what, what about the Big Ten? Have they talked about about like sports like baseball and volleyball and all that? Is this still being planned to play? Or well, we won't know until it? after the first of the year. I mean, they're going to make decisions mm-hmm. about baseball, but they're supposed right. to have a. Um, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's that's a good point. It's, it's like I'm putting a car in front of the horse, but I'm just thinking ahead at the same time. You know, I'm just curious. You know, so. Anyway, stuff I wanted to bring up. Good yeah. stuff, Eric. Thank you very much. Right. Thanks. But let's go back to the phones and Alan in Montrose. Hey, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, you guys just brought that <clears throat> question up about going to the games. I would go to a baseball game. Matter of fact, I would go to an Illinois basketball game right now if I was allowed to. I can wear a face mask and kind of set myself away from uh, other people if I wanted to. I would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, really 2020 when you got Northwestern leading the Big Ten in basketball at this point so far this year. And the other player you guys have been there forever, for like seven years, the kid's name was Evan Eschmeyer, right? Yep. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, big he guy in Northwestern, yeah. Like, seemed like he was there forever. Yeah, he must have three or four degrees, I would think. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Well, uh, I, I think you're, it's just going to be a fantastic number of, of uh, seniors currently playing basketball in America right now that will be playing again next year in college. I just predict it'll just be a huge number, starting with, with uh, Frazier and uh, DeMonte Williams. Do you feel that way in football? Yes, I, I just feel it'll be less. But, uh, I mean, obviously the numbers are bigger in football, but I, I, I think percentages would be less. But uh, there's just got to be – there's not room for everybody, to, uh, uh, you know, in the lineup. Everybody's – what they're trying to do – what players are trying to do right now is to find their level that they can play. I mean, if, if they can play at the highest – if they can play it for Ohio State, you know, that they'll do that if they're that good, if they're the best in the country – if there's something less, they might want to play at a lesser school. They might even drop down to Division Two, or they might go to Illinois State or Eastern. I think Illinois State and Eastern, some of those schools, will get a lot of good players that will be dropping one level because they couldn't quite make it at, let's say, the University of Illinois. Don't you? I mean, you, I, uh, some players are looking to go up. Some players are looking to go down. Do you think uh, – Jacob Grandison could be the Alan Griffin that we're missing from last year. In some ways, he, I don't think he's the shooter. He's not, that, he's not the shooter, I think but he might uh, be a better shooter. I, I don't know about being a better shooter than Griffin's. Pretty good shooter. He was a streak shooter, but and he's a 
pretty good rebounder, but so is Grandison. At least he looks like it. He's, he needs to put a couple of more games like that together before you put him and do a lot of comparisons with him, I think. Well, I guess my point is we're needing somebody like yeah, that. no doubt. I mean, we're missing one more player like that. Griffin was more of a high flyer than Grandison is, but Grandison might be a little more uh, steadier, maybe, like you say, in a few games, more consistent player. Well, I don't know, but I will tell you right now that the best I, I shouldn't say the best player that Syracuse has is Griffin, but he's the second best for sure. He's averaging 16.6 points and 6.7 rebounds for Syracuse through seven oh, wow. games. 16-6 now. That's, I mean, he's really good. You know who else Who else you could, uh, you could use uh, in the orange and blue would be E.J. Liddell. How about him Ooh. lining up next to Kofi? Huh? Oh, <laughs> that really hurt. Yeah, he's he's a, he's an excellent. We'll see him in a, in a little bit here this afternoon. Yeah, he's playing. He plays for Ohio State, of course. Lauren, you want to apologize to Alan or? Yeah, Alan, I got to apologize to you. You can pronounce Bielema any way you want. <laughs> Bielema, Bielema. I was going to bring that up, but then it's been said so many different ways. I was going to bring that up in last last week, but uh, then well, we I thought heard everybody's... we thought we knew. <laughs> Until he said it's three syllables, but you don't pronounce the middle one. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I heard him say that, and I couldn't make that didn't make sense. But <laughs> I, don't think, heard, I don't think it bothers him either way. But uh, call him it. I think I just, I think I just call him Belima. <laughs> or just I'm call him Brett. Call him Brett. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would help too. Hey, Alan, appreciate I think the call. Get the job done, guys. I really think he will get the job done. It'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff comes together, who the coordinators are, who he might keep right. from this staff, and who he brings in new. And that's always fun to track as well. And once we get to this time next week and get the calendar turned, I think we'll start getting some of those answers. Have either of you two guys seen, and this is off the record here, but off the subject. Millions of people are listening. I know, but this is just between you and I, Steve. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, message that Munkin delivered after the Navy game to his team in yes, the locker I have. room. I have. have you ever seen anything more emotional than that in your life as far as a, as a halftime or a post-game speech no, is concerned? Was... I mean, that was just sensational. Anybody, you should look it up on YouTube, Alan, if you haven't seen it. Just look up Munkin uh, uh, locker room speech. Man, it is unbelievable. They had him above their shoulders it. passing him around the room, didn't they? I've watched it five or six times. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Good stuff. Nine forty. fired me up. I'll, I'll try to make a tackle for There him. you go. One. <laughs> you got one last. tackle. That'd be the end of it. One, not one tackle, one attempt <laughs> at a tackle. 947, we'll take a break. Open line continues up until 10, 356-9397. We'll hear from... Brad Underwood as we move along as well right here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving up on 9.50 here on this Saturday morning. Sunny and 23 degrees. No golf today, Lauren. Oh, a little chilly. Played uh, Tuesday of this past week. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> Got another, probably my last December You're round in. for punishment. <laughs> I know. But I got five December rounds on the books, so that, that's good. But it doesn't look good for the Well, you time. played last January. Oh, yeah. Yep, played three or four times last January. Okay. I've got 
This, nobody cares about this stat but me. <laughs> but since my surgery, which was in April of 2018, I've got 30 straight months in which I've played golf. Okay. We'll, we'll get you out there in January. A couple of those times you have to really want to go <laughs> <laughs> to, to keep the streak alive. You're looking for a day if it gets over 25 and the sun might be out if you haven't played. But uh, Illinois basketball this afternoon, the Illini and Indiana in town, and Indiana comes in at 5-3, and three, looking like, you know, they got more guys on the roster, but they look kind of like a one-man gang right now and how – well, Jackson, Jackson Davis, Davis goes. Really good. Yeah, you know, he was a contender. He and Kofi were one-two in the uh, freshman of the year for the Big Ten last year, and uh, Kofi nudged him, but it was close. And uh, this guy's a this guy's a really good player, and he can do he can do more than Kofi in that he can he can score out to 15, 17 feet, and um, uh, he looks like he's going to be an NBA player someday. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis averaging twenty-one points. And nine rebounds a game. They've got two other players in double figures. As I mentioned, they're five and three. They lost their Big Ten opener to Northwestern at Assembly Hall in Bloomington earlier this week. Northwestern in action today as well against Ohio State. So two games on the Big Ten schedule. Brad Underwood uh, previewed the ball game yesterday and talks about uh, some different things. He got together with the, uh, the media on a Christmas afternoon Zoom session. We're going to hear from him in just a moment. We've got a caller coming in, though. We'll uh, take Jim in Champaign. Good morning, Jim. How's it going? Good. How are you today? Good. What's up? Well, I was just regarding the previous caller and, and, and who we need back. We're struggling on defense this year, not offense. And I think Missouri and Rutgers set the, the recipe for beating us was to just play harder. And I think Andres Feliz would have had something to say about that if he was still back. Well, no doubt. Uh, I was up for trying to figure out a way to get him back. <laughs> can, can yeah, we... more than Griffin, though. Well, I think so. I agree. Yeah. That's where I felt all, all season long, so I just had to get it off my chest. Okay. Jim, thanks. We appreciate you taking time to make that call. And Feliz is definitely the the glue guy that um, Illinois had that they, t- they haven't really found quite yet. I tell you who loved him more than anybody. Brad Underwood. You bet. Just called him a winner. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah. He won at every level, and uh, he was all about the team, nothing about himself. You know that there were at least, uh, oh, let's say half a dozen situations last year where Illinois, late as the season wore on, went to I.O. In the final, for the final play, and he came through repeatedly. But the first guy to get a shot at that was Felice. Yep. Uh, Underwood went with Felice, and, and it didn't work out. As a matter of fact, we lost a game. In the very last couple of seconds, because uh, a police play, but that's how much confidence Underwood had in him at the time. And well, he did so many things that you wouldn't expect him to be able to do, like getting to the basket, mm-hmm. strong rebounder for a guy that's six yeah. one, six two. He could get in there and finish. Mm-hmm. He was strong. Definitely a guy that uh, is being missed, and maybe uh, maybe uh, Grandison could take that role of a, a glue guy off the bench. He had seven and seven the other night in that game at Penn State, so that was good to see. And he's a veteran guy. He hasn't played much at this level, but uh, we'll see how it plays out with him. Brad Underwood talked about uh, a lot of things in that uh, Christmas Day Zoom uh, press conference, not the least of which was the commitment 
that uh, this ball club, and you could say that about other teams as well across the country, just because of the times of this year, but the commitment and the sacrifices they have made just to play basketball. You can't understand the, the sacrifice that these guys have gone through. I'm so proud of Georgie Bashanishvili, what he has had to endure, not going home. A Big Ten tournament, everybody else scattered but him. Georgie was here isolated by himself. This hasn't been a true college experience for our guys. And they're not out socially. They're not, they're not meeting anybody in classes. You talk about challenging and different and difficult, and, and they're vibrant, and they're in the, the prime of their life in terms of wanting to enjoy people and things. And, and, and now we're telling them, uh, come to practice, go back to your room, and don't leave. And don't talk to anybody or see anybody else. And you think of the commitment that these guys uh, are, are giving up. And it doesn't matter whether you're local or whether you're Georgie. But, um, you know, uh, all they get is a phone call. They get a, they get a you know, maybe they get a Zoom. But, uh, man, I could not be prouder. I couldn't think of a better group of people other than my own family, who I'm, again, I'm blessed. I get a, I got my family. Uh, I'm blessed, but I could not think of a better group of people. People, I'm not saying players, I'm saying people that I would w rather be with than my staff and this group of players uh, because it speaks volumes to their character. And, and uh, I feel very, very strongly about their commitment to wanting to do this and pull this season off. And uh, I'm very, very proud. That shows tremendous maturity on a group of guys to, uh, to, to sacrifice and commit to want to to want to do what they have a passion to do. Brad Underwood, and he mentioned also that they pretty much made that decision not to go home for Christmas, even uh, well before they saw the schedule back in June, that uh, it looked like it was going to be a situation where they needed to hunker down, and that's what they're doing. Well, if you, if you go home, how, lo how long do you have to quarantine when you come back? Right. That's, that's the catch. You know, I'm just thankful that you and I haven't been uh, told to quarantine with each other. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could survive that. <laughs> no, we see each other enough, but uh, that would have been tough. We could, we could, we, of course, with technology today, we could have done shows from quarantine anywhere, right? I think that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> More or less. You get to go to a game every now and then at the, the State Farm Center, but otherwise it's uh, it's been different. This whole year's been different, and no matter what you try to try to accomplish, and uh Luckily, it's about over, at least on the calendar part of it, and hopefully 2021 will be a lot better. Everybody's hoping for that, but working our way through the holidays, and we're going to work our way into the uh, second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Hope you'll join us. 356-9397 is the number. We'll take a break and be back with hour number two after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, WDWS Champaign-Urbana with you until 11 o'clock today. The phone line definitely open at 356 9397. If you'd like to join us, if you're uh, working your way through the holiday weekend, you want to talk some sports, we're here. 
We haven't missed a Saturday all year, have we, Lauren? I don't think. I haven't missed a Saturday in... <laughs> you haven't missed a Saturday in decades. It's been decades. I know. Yeah. You missed one, maybe two over the whole time. One I that I remember. I, yeah, over 50 years, I've missed two that I know of. But maybe I missed another one and don't remember it. <laughs> but I know when Elizabeth got married, that's, yeah. that's the one I remember. When, when my granddaughter got married, I was ordered to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, didn't she get married in football season? Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> like September or something? You know, most of my kids know better than to do yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she probably just wanted to see if she could, uh, what it would take to pull you away. Well, I can be pulled away. I just haven't got anything else to do most Saturdays, so I show up here with you, Steve. Well, I guess that makes two of us. <laughs> Although, if we could tee it up from time to time on Saturday morning, that uh, wouldn't be so bad either. Going to talk uh, some Michigan State athletics coming up. Uh, Michigan State now 0-2 in uh, the Big Ten basketball after uh, getting off to a, a rough start. And our friend Jap- Jack Ebling from uh, East Lansing is with us. The Drive with Jack Ebling. He's been covering Michigan State. Jack, for how long now? 132 years. <laughs> you and Lauren, huh? After <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, back since 1978, so uh, uh, you got me by 12 years, Lauren. I guess I do. <laughs> well, Jack, is this uh, Michigan State team, uh, tell us about this basketball team. I know it's early, and they've, and they've started early, uh, started uh, you know, with a couple of losses in Big Ten Conference play in the past, but uh, does this year feel like that, or what, what, do you, what kind of feeling do you have so far? Well, it was a little misleading, I think, when Michigan State went into Duke and won. And Illinois might have had some of the same feelings, maybe delusions of grandeur, not to say that these teams could not show up in the Final Four, but uh, they have their flaws. And I think a lot of teams in the Big Ten are going to have losses. But Michigan State has some trouble uh it has a lot of players, a lot of depth, but doesn't do a great job on defense, a little bit on iso like And I knew there was an issue when uh, gave up you know, 91 points to Oakland and uh, just really didn't do a good job against Northwestern or Wisconsin yesterday. And when uh, Dimitri Trice, who's an, a nice player, a uh, great kid, but when he gets 29 on you, you've got an issue. Well, I, I think that uh, this is just a different looking. You you lost a great you lost a great point guard, uh, maybe as good as you've ever had. Maybe oh, I shouldn't say that with magic. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. But anyway, almost as as good as you've had in twenty years. Anyway, and uh, I think that, uh, that you don't have the the dominant big man either. Isn't that fair? Right. I mean that, that that's the biggest difference, I think, Lauren. Uh, Cassius Winston uh, was a very creative offensive player, did things that really hadn't been done before in the NCAA. And if they'd had tournament play last year, uh, I think he would have been number one or number two on the all-time list in terms of points and assists, Uh, you know, set the Big Ten assist record and moved the needle up about 125 assists from where it had ever been. But he was not a, a... terrific defensive player. He wasn't even a good defensive player. So Xavier Tillman made a lot of things happen. 
Yeah, he did. And with all the switching and the high ball screens you see these days, uh, he was a tremendous defender and an eraser, not in terms of block shots, but in terms of covering up for other players. And they don't have him there. Makes a big difference. I, I, I said that, you know, they've got Langley to replace Tillman. Well, he can't. He's just not, he's not that yeah. level of player. I think. How much has he been set back by his injuries, do you think? A lot. Yeah. A lot. And I think he'll be a productive player. There was a point before he got hurt that Josh Langford was Michigan State's best player. He was better than Cassius Winston uh, the month that he got hurt. And to come back after two years, you're not going to be the same player. And right now I think there's some thinking. He also has gone from being an exceptional defensive player to being uh, a decent defensive player. So whether that will improve uh, over the course of the season, uh, Tom Izzo certainly hopes so. What were your thoughts after seeing Wisconsin? Seeing Lauren and I were talking earlier in the first hour of the show about some of those guys at Wisconsin have been there forever and and yeah. might likely be there forever another year, but uh, they're a pretty solid yeah. team. Yeah, they're on the eight-year plan uh, <laughs> at Wisconsin. And Michigan State led that game, scored the first nine points of the second half after it was tied at the break. So Michigan State was up nine and wound up losing by nine. So over the roughly the last 15 minutes, uh, Wisconsin outscored Michigan State by 18 points. And to show you how crazy the Big Ten is this year, guys, we saw something pretty similar uh, last night, except it was the home team that came back and won. And people don't realize uh, what Minnesota was able to do. They were down five, uh, less than 20 seconds to go in that game and uh, wound up winning by seven in overtime over a fourth-ranked team in the country in Iowa. I know the people in Illinois, they cry every time Iowa loses. So, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, you probably had to enjoy that. But uh, in terms of what any team in this league is capable of doing, uh, even Northwestern, okay, uh, getting a second win, I don't think anyone thought Northwestern would be 2-0, but – Strange things happen, and uh, if you're not on top of your game, you're going to get beat. Well, what, what's your take on the scoring so far or lack of defense in uh, Big Ten basketball? Yeah, I don't know about this, guys. I haven't studied it. But my hunch is that this is a national phenomenon. Uh, you know, Maybe there are exceptions, but I think there's a lot more scoring. Uh, it seems to me, in flurries, and uh, lots of teams can do it. It's not just a few teams that can score 90 points. Uh, you don't, if you don't score 75 these days, uh, you're asking for trouble. So uh, I think that in the Big Ten, certainly, three-point shooting is better. I think that uh, you know the, the free-throw shooting makes a big difference. The foul opportunities. Michigan State was in foul trouble yesterday, got outscored significantly at the line. Spartan shot great against Wisconsin. I mean, you know, you shoot nearly 50% from the field. Uh, you're over that from three. You shoot over 85% at the line. You should win that game. But if you are constantly putting your opponents at the free throw line, and that's something Michigan State is going to have a, a big 
uh, problem with when it plays teams like Illinois. Um, so Michigan State has plenty of work to do, and the majority of it is a defensive end. Talking to Jack Ebling from East Lansing's covered Michigan State and the Big Ten since 1978. Let's turn to football. Your thoughts, or do you have any thoughts, on Illinois' hiring of Brett Bielma as their new football coach? Yeah, Lauren and I were texting about this. Uh, is he going to keep his Hawkeye tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've never had a tattoo. And I've never had a tattoo, so I've never had one removed. So I don't know what would go into that. There are a lot of young people that have put tattoos on their body that they regret later <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of funny with Wisconsin when he was there, you know. But hey, he was a he was a Hawkeye through and through, and uh, you know I don't know how that's going to go over. But uh, I think he's a proven coach. Yeah, three straight Big Ten champions, 2010 through 12. Uh, Big Ten uh, championship game winners. Uh, I think he's he's got his ties in the Midwest, certainly. So that will help in recruiting. I, I guess I need some help from you guys because I hear people say, Illinois is a sleeping giant and all they need to do is get the right guy and you know, they're the next uh, rising program in this league. And other people say you don't understand that uh, Illinois is not a, a football school and maybe not even a football state. So I, I don't know what the ceiling is for this program, but I think that Brett Bielema is going to get you closer to whatever that ceiling is. I think that's right. I, I think that the, the idea that Illinois can go out and, and suddenly turn all the coaches around in the state who have been disenfranchised as far as they're concerned from the University of Illinois for years. And, and, uh, and, and the other thing is that I, and, and I, I, a, long term, a long time ago I, I was given this information. Everybody is one hour away from O'Hare. Everybody, almost everywhere, is only one hour away from O'Hare. And O'Hare brings you right into the, to the recruiting area for, for players. And I think that uh, the Chicago area is recruited harder by more people than any than any other area in the country. I mean, you you know the biggest city in in uh, in Ohio is Columbus. I don't think we're going to go <laughs> go in there and try to get a really good player out of Columbus, Ohio. But I I, I just uh, I, I want to kind of twist it around on you though. I want to talk about football in the state of Michigan. What's happened at yeah. the high school level? What's happened to the University of Michigan? And will Michigan State be able to bounce back with uh, with Tucker? Yeah, uh, good questions. Uh, football in the state of Michigan, I think, has uh, suffered in recent years. Uh, maybe Illinois is a little bit the same way because uh, some of the population centers are not what they were. Uh, Detroit has years where it has some really good players, lots of players, and others where not so much. Uh, Flint went from four class A or division one high school, powerful schools down to almost nothing. Uh, doesn't have one and three are closed. So really, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a time when Flint had more people than Wyoming. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not the case now. So, uh, so that's, that's an issue, but is that because of the water uh, situation or is it just because of the, what happened? Well, I think a lot of the jobs moved 
okay. uh, certainly with the auto industry. That was a big part of it. Uh, the water situation was just, you know, maybe the uh, the capper to the whole thing. Um, you talk about Michigan. That's that's an interesting question. You know, we are now to the point that next year's freshmen, the class of 2022, uh, they weren't going to be alive the next time, the last time Michigan won a Big Ten championship. So uh, they've got a mess there. And half the people would love to drive Jim Harbaugh to the airport. Uh, other people still see him as the prodigal son, baby Bo, coming back. Uh, certainly the results have not been what anyone anticipated. He was brought there to win championships, uh, to restore the glory to the leaders and best. Uh, you know, they have a lot of fun around here and in Columbus saying the words of the fight song that should be changed to the leaders and best in Washington County. <laughs> but in terms of uh, where this Michigan team is, uh, you know, they – they beat in Ohio State one time since 2003. Since uh, 2003? Lost, yeah. 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 Uh, they beat him in 2000 when Luke Fickle was the interim coach. That's it. Uh, Harbaugh's lost three times to Michigan State as a double-digit favorite and really shouldn't have lost any of those games based on the number of players drafted, uh, the recruiting uh, index, all those things. So Michigan hasn't beaten a team when it was an underdog in forever. And it just looks unprepared for the most part. I, I should also say that uh, something about the leadership style, when you've had 25 assistant coaches in six years, and now he's lost Don Brown, fired Don Brown. So he's going to have, a bunch more. He's If he stays, he's probably going to have five or six more assistant coaches. That'll be more than 30 assistant coaches. Pat Fitzgerald has had half that many in the last decade. Oh, yeah. They stay with him. They stay with him. Uh, you know, so uh, unless they retire, um, they're more li- liable to have a coach retire than be fired. So, you know, it shows what continuity can do, but every year there's a new wizard supposedly coming in to reinvent football and a new uh, September Heisman candidate. And, you know, it was, it was just uh, the morning of the Michigan State game on October 31st. and People were talking about Joe Milton being a dark horse Heisman candidate. And they were talking about how great it was that he was watching film with Don Brown. Don Brown doesn't have a key to the office anymore, and Joe Milton isn't going to see the field. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you can blame that on Jim Harbaugh or whoever else uh, you like, but, uh, you know, Michigan hasn't been to Indianapolis without buying tickets since they started the Big Ten tournament, the Big Ten championship game. 25 assistant coaches in six years, and now they got this year they're already moving into that same direction. That's, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. He must be awful hard to work for. Yeah, uh, you know, some people said Nick Saban was hard to work for, but at least you got rings out of it. Yeah. Uh, Did you have so, any idea when Saban was at Michigan State what he was going to do at Alabama? Yeah, I did. did I really you? did, Bart. I did. 
when he was with the Cleveland Browns, and the idea was that Michigan State was going to bring in, uh, you know, they, they looked around and they 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 said, hey, uh, Penn State, you know, that's the answer. We're going to go and we're going to get somebody from the paternal tree, not realizing, you know, what that tree was was all about. But that that was the plan, and then uh, it didn't work, and the. the they wound up bringing in Nick, and I thought that was the greatest hire in the world. I was campaigning for him, but but it it didn't work here. There was friction, and Nick was itchy, and he wanted things that Michigan State couldn't provide. So he went to LSU and uh, won a national championship there, and then went to the Dolphins, and that was really uh, maybe the the black mark on his career. That was short lived, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm short there, and and I think if he could have gotten Drew Brees to pass that physical, he'd still be there. Hmm. But it didn't happen. He couldn't get a quarterback and a chance to go back to Alabama and be the governor of the state was pretty appealing. Uh, I remember a a phone call I got from Chris Mortensen and uh, talk about dumb things to say. He asked me about Saban, would he really go back to college ball and go to Tuscaloosa? And I said, you know, I just don't see it. I don't see him leaving Miami until he wins because he'd never be able to live with himself. But, you know, and and then he told Don Shula that he was not going to be leaving. And and so what does he do? He goes to Tuscaloosa and takes Don Shula's son's job. (laughs) So, but once he got there, you know, the first year, I think he was seven and six, and there were some questions. That was 2007. But from that point on, uh, there's not been a run in the last 13 years like Nick Saban with five national titles and probably most people would say headed for number six in Tuscaloosa and seven overall. So uh, I think he's the best coach in college football history. Uh, I think that uh, he is... What sets him apart? Uh, he's a great teacher. He's an assistant coach in a head coach's position. He is a, a infatigable recruiter. Um, the only thing that he doesn't really do well uh, are those insurance commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I get one of those green jackets? Oh my God! Yeah, um, I, I would think that if you were to design uh, a college football coach and you wanted someone who could manage people, who could uh, motivate players, who was on the cutting edge of systems of adaptability, uh, being able to get talent, uh, and he would have done great things at Michigan State. It took him some time because of what he inherited. But, you know, his last year at Michigan State, that produced a 10-2 and team. The problem was he was not going to be a lifer at Michigan State. In fact, until he got to Tuscaloosa, uh, he had not been anywhere in his career longer than five years, and he was at Michigan State five years twice as an assistant and then as a head coach. But, you know, he's, he's going to be there forever. Uh, I can't see anything that would make him leave. At one point, I thought the Ohio State job might do it. But um, not going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's he's got it going in Alabama. I think that we could come back in 20 years, gentlemen, 
you know, and uh, Alabama's still going to be good. And it uh, wouldn't surprise me if Nick was there a long time. I could see him coaching. Well, he's 21 days older than I am. So he just celebrated his 69th birthday, and he'll be into his late 70s and still coaching college football. Well, before we let you go, Jack, I'm going to swing you back to basketball. What's, th- what's going to happen in the Big Ten? Is Michigan State going to get back in it? Is Wisconsin going to make the – are they going to be the champions? Uh, what do you think? Wow. You know, it's a, it's a young season still. I think back to uh, Izzo's first Final Four, uh, 1970 – or excuse me, 1999, mm-hmm. and uh, they lost the first game of the year to Wisconsin, and there was so much consternation about, you know, geez, you know, just so much hype, it's not going to be realized, and then they didn't lose again, mm-hmm. and uh, they won 15 straight in the Big Ten, and then they won the Big Ten tournament, and they made it to the Final Four and lost to, to number one Duke, so... Uh, it's early. I still think Illinois has the highest ceiling. Uh, I still think Iowa is a, a terrific team, despite what it, it did last night. Don't sleep on Rutgers. Uh, Michigan, uh, a basketball school now, <laughs> is uh, in a position – to win the Big Ten regular season championship, and I said this before this weekend, let me tell you why. Its first 12 games in the conference, you could not have designed a better schedule. Now, the last eight are tough, but wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, If Michigan can beat Wisconsin in Chrysler Center, it can be 12-0 in conference play. And it doesn't go to Champaign. It doesn't go to Iowa City. And it doesn't go to Piscataway. Oh, boy. So, Michigan is my dark horse Big Ten regular season champion. Yeah. I'll uh, say. But, but watch Rutgers. Uh, Michigan State can come back uh, if it can figure out the defense and it's not rebounding like a time is team either hey jack so always good always good to catch up with you and uh, one of these days maybe we'll be in a situation where we can visit with you in person again if we are allowed to go on the road and such in the future but uh look forward to that thank you for your time uh, this morning uh, yeah i want to tell you i learned a lot and particularly about uh, a city in in michigan that has four high schools and only has one now <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I think Mel Tucker's going to do a good job here, guys. It's yep. going to take him some time. He had the toughest job in the country. No spring practice. Started in late February. Staff was wearing name tags, uh, you know, practice, no quarterback. But it, it, it'll happen. It's going to take a little time. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate it, Jack. Take care, guys. You bet. That's Jack Ebling from East Lansing. He has the the Drive radio show with Jack Ebling on the air. 1024. Phone line is open 356-9397. We'll be back with more after this. Stay with us. Ten twenty six. Alana Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate 
I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 11 o'clock today. The phone line open, 356-9397. Let's go to the phones and say good morning to Judy in Oakwood. Hey, Judy. Good morning, Steve and Lauren. I have just a quick question. Many of us in our area have that NSYNC radio that Jim Turpin told everybody about several years ago, but it's really hard to get the radio station with Brian tuned into the TV. Yeah. yeah. Is there a reason for that? Well, yes, there is. It'd be more of a question for our engineer, Ed Bond, but the main reason is there are so many signals. You got the TV signals, you've got the audio signal, they're going up and back to satellites on uh, you know two or three different occasions. So it's hard to match up. There there are ways to do it. Ed has a new gizmo himself that he's trying to match it up before it leaves <laughs> uh, the Learfield uh, headquarters and goes up and back. So he's trying to match it up with what Brian and uh, Dion or Doug Altenberger see, but it doesn't always match up with what you see on your TV. It's and sometimes it changes at halftime. Does it? Well, yeah, because oh, uh, the, okay. the commercials are, you know, uh, they just don't always come out exactly the same as as it is in the first half of the game. Okay. I've had that happen. Well, it's uh, you know you can set set the the uh, speed on that NSYNC radio, so. If, I've tried 10 all the way down to 2, and it, um, Brian is usually behind the TV. And then, like you said, at halftime, sometimes it even switches beyond that. So do you think it's be, is it because Brian's not the, at the assembly hall this year? Do you think that has anything to do with it? That might have a little something to do with it on the road. Well, um, well he's at the assembly hall. Well, he is the at the games. assembly hall, yes. Okay, okay. I didn't know if he was at the – so that's that, – that cancels out that reason. Right. They are there for the home games. So far, they're doing the away games as we did in football from a studio on campus. So, But as far as the home games go, um, football and basketball, we're on site. So that okay. that takes that okay. argument out. But uh, I'll talk to Ed about it and, and uh, visit with him a little bit. What's um, interesting, during the football broadcasts, we had, even in our studio... We had several feeds. We had like three feeds, but one of the feeds was so different than what was actually on the air. We had to almost turn the monitor away because we were getting confused about which was live and which was behind, and it was very confusing. And you could use one for the replay because it hadn't happened yet. It's kind of hard to describe what we were seeing there, but it was a matter of fact, uh, doing the pregame, halftime, and postgame show on football, I had the monitor to where I could see what was happening, the play before it actually happened, or the play before that Brian saw it. So I don't do any cheering or anything, but I could tell you what was coming up, and uh, it was confusing, no doubt. Well, that's what I do. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing, because I'm listening to Brian, and then I'm ready for what's going to happen on the TV. <laughs> that's right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like yeah. I'm really watching for that play, mm-hmm. because... I already know from Brian what's going to happen, and then I go, oh, I'll have to zero in on that, and then it's kind of clear of what's going on. Well, Judy, I just don't remember the problem last year. I guess that's my right. point. Well, keep listening. We'll try to get things figured and out. I maybe, will. 
maybe we'll have an answer for you before the show's over. Who knows? All right. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks for calling. Let's say hi to Jim uh-huh. in Urbana. Hey, Jim. Uh, good morning. Happy holidays. Same to you. Uh, I had a comment about the, the radio situation. I got one early when Jim mentioned them, and it, it didn't work perfectly for him. It was probably me, but I got another one, and it goes up like 60-second delay. And I found out that I've got DISH where I can uh, delay it 10 seconds at a time. And it's easier to coordinate if I can move DISH, too, because if you try to do it all just with a radio, you're doing a lot of button clicking and things like that. But, you know, if you can go back 10 seconds on the uh, – that's helped me a lot. I can, I'm getting pretty good at getting zeroed in. That's a good idea. So you can, uh, And you could do that, I guess, with other uh, – types of TV, uh, TV as well, you can just move it back and pause it for 10 seconds and try to sync it up that way. Sure, because 10 seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're trying to synchronize it, you know, at the time you end up missing part of the game trying to mess with that, but I'm getting it down to a science. Uh, my other question, and first I want to say a belated happy birthday to Lauren. Oh boy, you know. that, was, that was a long time ago. I'm almost yeah, up to well, the next one now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I wanted to get that out. And my last comment is, is there anything or information about Stone Creek or anything online where you can go to see what kind of changes they're doing? Or No, not, not yet. They're still in the process of hiring a management firm for that. They had hoped to have that done uh, by the end of the year. They've still got another week, I guess, uh, and they can still get that done. But they have not made that announcement yet. Um, so other than what we reported at the beginning, we don't have a lot of concrete information yet on specifically what changes will be made other than moving some T's back and making it uh, the fairways a little more narrow and making it hard and fast. That's what uh, Mike Small wants to do with it. Well, that'll definitely make it harder for me. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of us. Hey, uh, we appreciate the call, Jim. Thank you. Have a great day. You Bye. too. Let's go to Steve in Champaign. Hello, Steve. Good morning, guys. Uh, enjoy listening to your program and and a belated happy birthday to Lauren. I see you guys out on the U of I golf course occasionally, but uh, actually it's the second time I've called in. But I heard the lady and the other gentleman talking about syncing up the uh, radio broadcast with the TV, and I've got a solution. Uh, every, most everyone has a, an iPhone, and they can get the TuneIn radio app. And if you listen to that, and no matter where the TV broadcast is, you can pa- pause the TV and sync it up perfectly with the radio if you're using, like, TuneIn radio app because it's delayed. Okay. And it works. Uh, I've used it several times because I just don't care to listen to the TV broadcasters. And and uh, I enjoy listening to Brian when he's given the broadcast. And, and uh, it works fine. I've got a little uh, Sony uh, Bluetooth speaker, and it fills the room perfectly. And like I said, not a problem at all. All right. We appreciate the call. Thanks, Steve. Let's go to Bill and Rantoul. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, same comment. Uh, Simple Radio is another app. Uh, I just tried it. I listen to it a lot of times. I can listen to my Bluetooth headset, and uh, it delays it enough. Or if you're watching TV, 
<clears throat> you can back the TV up to match it perfectly. But you guys were talking about you know, playing golf this time of year. It was funny. I was just leaving my little hometown, and, and I see these two young boys. They're probably 10, 11, 12 years old, carrying new bags of golf clubs. So Santa Claus loves <laughs> golf, and he's, he's promoting. They were headed to the schoolyard, and in this little town, it's an open field on the uh, north side of the schoolyard. They were going out to get golf balls. So, Steve, uh, you may want to get out today. I mean, it's only like 20 out. Well, yeah, and the sun's out. What the heck? Yeah, yeah the wind, wind chill, probably at 10, you know. Well, the wind chill is 19 right now. It's 28 degrees and 19 wind chill. That's getting into the neighborhood where you go out and do it. Hey, Bill, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 1035, need to take a break. We'll learn more about the Indiana Hoosiers coming up. We'll keep the phone lines open as well. Back after this. Ten thirty-seven here on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Back with you uh, this afternoon for Illinois basketball, the Illini and the Indiana Hoosiers at the State Farm Center in a 3 o'clock Big Ten basketball game. Going to learn more about the Hoosiers now as we welcome in Jeff Rabjohns from Peegs.com, part of the uh, 24-7 Sports.com network. Good morning, Jeff. How are you, sir? Good morning, guys. I'm terrific. How are you? Good. Indiana comes to town, 0-2 uh, in the Big Ten. Tell us a little bit about this ball club. I think everybody knows about the big guy there, but uh, are they talk about uh, – Trace Jackson Davis and his uh, supporting cast so far this season. Sure. I mean, yeah, Trace Jackson Davis, a uh, uh, McDonald's All-American uh, out of Center uh, Grove High School there on the south side of Indianapolis. He's been Indiana's best player. You know, he was a uh, uh, Big Ten Player of the Week uh, a couple weeks ago, early in December. Uh, he's averaging 21 points, 8.6 rebounds, shooting 54% from the field. Um, I think uh, his best performance of the year uh, so far was when he had 25 points and 17 rebounds at Florida State. Uh, he had 31 points, which is a career high. And I just went over Stanford uh, down there in Maui in the third-place game. Uh, yeah, so he, he's definitely the, the most important player and, and clearly the best player uh, for Indiana. I think what Indiana, you asked about supporting cast, you know, I think uh, what we're seeing is a couple different things. One, the emergence of Armand Franklin, the sophomore guard from Indianapolis Cathedral, he's really coming on. You know, he had 16 points in Indiana's last game. They're a 74-67 loss to Northwestern. Uh, shot two for six from three. He's really been improving uh, his three-point shooting. Only shot it uh, just a little over uh, 26% last year as a freshman. Been a lot better this year. So he's sort of the guy who's emerged as. I, you know, I think you'd almost make an argument he's been Indiana's second-best player so far this year. And as far as uh, other supporting cast goes, I think that's where Indiana has, has some question marks right now. Uh, you know, Al Durham's a senior guard, but he's really struggled. You know, he only had two points in 36 minutes against Northwestern. Uh, junior point guard Rob Dennessy, who was really good as a freshman, has kind of struggled. He only had four points in 23 minutes against Northwestern. So I think Indiana is kind of kind of trying to figure out exactly okay who who who's who's going to be who can they count on uh, with some regularity. I think that's kind of where that Indiana team is right now. They've, they've got a clear stud in Trace Jackson Davis, an emerging player in Armand Franklin. Uh, they're trying to figure out okay who who are, who are going to be players three, four, five, six that they're going to be able to count on uh, game to game. 
and obviously Race Thompson, uh, starting forward, has, has been very solid as well. Um, you know, he's he's averaging right at eight points and six rebounds a game. He's really solid, really strong on the interior. Um, so he, he's probably their, their, their number three guy. Um, but I think they're beyond those three, I think they're still kind of searching for some consistency right now. Is that loss at home to Northwestern earlier this week indicative at all as to the benefit or non-benefit in this case of the home court advantage with no fans? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I remember several years ago, was a Big Ten coach told me that he thought several venues were worth a certain number of points. And I said, well, how, how many points, Coach? Go down. He went through it. And he said he thought Assembly Hall there at Indiana was worth eight points for Indiana because the crowd intimidates younger players. The crowd really gets into it. And he thought it messed you up as an opponent at least a couple times. You didn't score where you should. And it gave Indiana energy. And he said, I think it's worth eight points. And, um, so yeah, I, I think certainly not having fans um, does matter for places where you get really big crowds who are into it, places like Indiana, places like Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State certainly would be on that list, um, probably some others. But um, it, it, it's certainly a factor that the opposing teams, especially the ones who have freshmen, they don't have freshmen who are getting intimidated by these big crowds, and they don't have crowds to really help get them through lulls or really push them uh, into sort of like a run to really uh, get out and take control of the game. Hey, Jeff, this is Lauren. Uh, glad to have you with us today. I see where Archie, uh, at How least are you, sir? I'm doing good. The, the last record I see on Archie is 55-43 and 43 at Indiana. This is his fourth year, and uh, he's off to an 0-2 start in the Big Ten. How? What's his status with the fandom at Indiana University? Well, I think they, you know, they definitely want to see um, – you know that they definitely want to see better than five and three at the start of year four. Um, so I think they're they're sort of wanting to see the program take another step, um, be a program that is ranked uh, consistently, ranked throughout the year, uh, does really well, competes uh, to, to be among the better teams in the Big Ten, has a chance going into March to do something in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think people are overall, generally speaking, pretty happy with with Indiana's recruiting. Uh, they've, they've gotten, you know, three Mr. Basketballs in a row uh, for the first time in, in, in school history, which is kind of an amazing thing to even think about when you think about, you know, Bob Knight was there for, for so long, and he never got three Mr. Basketballs out of Indiana. But I think the, the recruiting's been good. Uh, they, they've obviously got a number of really good players from the state, you know, with Trace Jackson Davis. And, and you can even go back, you know, to when they got Romeo Langford and guys like that. And you got Rob Dennessy from McCutcheon and Anthony Leal. Uh, out of Bloomington South, uh, you know, Armand Franklin from Indianapolis and, and so forth. Um, but I think, the, you know, the fans are definitely, uh, you know, they, they want to see, they just want to see more wins. You know, that, that, that's where it's at. And I think some people realize you got you have six foot 11, 255-pound Joey Bronk who's out right now, so that's impacting the front court. But, you know, Indiana is a place where, you know, people want to see a national-level program. They want to see national-level success. Well, I, I just remember that Miller had so much success at Dayton. At least I thought he did without looking looking up the record exactly. And I know when Indiana went after him, as I recall, he de, uh, he de, he declined uh, initially, and I, I think they went back a second time. You tell me if I'm wrong on this. And they got him to, to, uh, to hook on with the Hoosiers, and I think they were expecting more than they've gotten so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think that story about him declining the first time. I I think that's a little bit of a, a 
little bit of an old wives' tale. I'm oh, not really? too sure that's true. It's 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 out there, and I know people have said it, but I'm not too sure that's exactly how things went down. But you know how coaching searches go. You hear this, you hear that, and you know once a coach is hired, you know not a lot of people can go back and give you the nitty gritty. So there are some different stories. Uh, but yeah, I mean you know Indiana fans want a national level program, especially the older fans who are accustomed to Bob Knight was coaching, and when the question was not, is Indiana going to the NCAA tournament? But, you know, do they have a chance to win the Big Ten, and how far can they go in the NCAA tournament? And I think that that's what Indiana fans are, are waiting to see. By the way, you mentioned Bob Knight, and uh, what's the latest you hear on him in terms of his dealing with dementia and his older age here? Yeah, you know, uh, he, he obviously last year he made his return to Assembly Hall, and he had Event at a at a local establishment there in Bloomington, and uh, they had a number of former players back, and, and a number of uh, guys from different uh, significant teams. And uh, Bob Knight showed up for that and got a big ovation. And um, but he's definitely he has good days and bad days, um, but he's not out about a ton. You know, he, he'll go out to eat with you know close friends of his and things like that. Um, but he's he's mainly staying sort of around a very close circle at this point in time. He's not, uh, he, at this point in time, he is not a public figure. Back to this uh, ball game today, as far as Indiana is concerned, coming into the State Farm Center to take on Illinois. What do the Hoosiers need to do to be successful in this ball game against the Illini? I think one thing, they, they have to handle uh, Illinois' early attack. Um, you know, Brad Underwood's done a really good job with his focus on on trying trying to score within the first seven seconds of a possession. I think it was they got 17 points uh, the first sec- 17 seconds of the they scored 17 points in the first seven seconds of a possession in that Penn State game, and uh, obviously I, I believe that was the margin of the game. Um, so that that was really big. So Indiana is going to have to deal with that. Um, you have to deal with Ayodosomo, uh, who's obviously just uh, one of the elite guards in the country, you know, 23 points, 7.8 rebounds, 5.2 assists per game. That is an elite guard. He's got terrific size, uh, around six foot five, nearly 200 pounds. So Indiana's going to have to deal with AO. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, Indiana has to come up with some offense. I, that's one of the biggest problems uh, that Indiana's had. You know, you look at the Big Ten, and you know, for decades, you know, you guys both know this. Big Ten was sort of known for almost full combat defense. You know, it's the, the conference of the big shoulders, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the Big Ten has four teams in the top eight and seven teams in the top 21 of offensive efficiency right now. So you're starting to see the pendulum sort of swing a little more toward more offensive, uh, just more offensive skill across the Big Ten. Um, and I think that's something that, that you know, Indiana has kind of, you know, struggled with a, a little bit right now. Um, so I think that that's something certainly to look at. Um, and, and you look at just, you know, what Indiana has done well, you know, in, in, adjusted, in adjusted defensive efficiency, Indiana's second in the Big Ten. In adjusted offensive efficiency, Indiana's 13th in the Big Ten, next to last, ahead of only Nebraska. So in, in Indiana has a really good defense, but they really struggled on offense. And when you look at the points that Illinois scored, you know, last three games, 
um, against Minnesota Rutgers and Penn State, 92 points, 88 points, 98 points. I think one of the big questions for Indiana is can you score enough points? And defense is good, but, you know, again, I think we're seeing more and more skill, more and more off creative offensive approaches in the Big Ten. So I think Indiana is going to have to be able to score. I don't think this is going to be, you know, one of those old school, you know, 57, 54 Big Ten games. I think you're going to have to get into the 70s to win today. And that's one of the questions that, that Indiana has right now. Jeff Rab Johns, we appreciate your time. Good to uh, chat with you. And we'll talk to you as this Big Ten uh, season progresses. Thanks again and Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much. And, Lauren, always good to talk to you, my friend, and we'll see you guys uh, here in a few hours. All right. Thanks, Jeff. 10.49 is the time. We'll take a break and be back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 10.53, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you up until 11 o'clock. We're happy to uh, let you know that Illini Pella will be with us throughout 2021 as title sponsor of this show, and they've got some new products they'd like to show you if you're out and about, stopping by their headquarters at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Ask about the uh, Lifestyle Series, wood windows, patio doors, providing uh, sound control, and the key thing there is energy efficiency, all at an amazing value. Most styles are available with triple-pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. With the Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style and with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options as well. You'll find the Lifestyle Series of windows and doors to complement your home and budget. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or you can check out the uh, products at PellaofChampagne.com. Got about uh, five minutes left here on the show. Ed Bond, on his way to the State Farm Center, has stopped by. Had a little discussion and a few calls about the delay process and trying to sync the radio up with the TV. And those people trying to do that are not the only ones, are they? You're doing. No, they're not. You're doing it yourself. You know, we we tried it. You know, ten or fifteen years ago, and we had a box. It was a great big, huge box that had about ten seconds of delay on it, and we were able to sync it up. So for most people, it would look. You know, it would sync the radio, the TV. We were watching Comcast. That's what we were. But now you got so many providers, everybody's doing something different. So we, we stopped on that idea. What I'm doing now to delay it is so that Brian can hear and see what's happening. Um, you know, so it's in sync for him. So at least when it leaves us, it's a finished product. And if you're listening on the radio, when Brian, when you're going to hear the ball go in and he's going to say it's good right behind it, uh, which is what we're trying to do now. But it, well, it, Ed, is it different for home in a way? Well, at home we're there, so I don't have to do a delay. Okay. I mean, we're, we're sitting there. I've got a microphone right on the basket. Uh, away, we have to delay it because the, the TV is taking a route all around the world and up and down, and the audio is getting to us quicker, so we, we delay it to match the, the television. But we've had several games in a row where it's an 18-second difference between the two products the last game it was only 11 seconds now what they're doing with going to studio shows or and you're right it can change at halftime with the commercials because they're either stretching the commercials or they're compressing them to make them fit 
And, uh, yes, it, it can change at, at halftime. Interesting stuff. Everybody will keep trying to do that. Let's say hi to Marty down at Pinehurst. Hey, Marty, what's up with you? I tell you what, Steve, you sent the mid- Midwest weather down here for Christmas Day, so there's nobody on the golf course. Day is like 24 this morning. Wow. Uh, question for you guys. I know you're up against the end of the show. Any news on Hutcherson or Bosman Verdunk? Nothing uh, positive. No. Still nothing positive? No. I mean, they're way behind, and we're moving into January pretty quick here, so... Whether they'll well, be I, to... I was wondering if they'd get back in time to get a you know five or six games in ahead of the NCAA tournament. Well, that's uh, a good question, they... but we just don't know. Okay. Well, I thought you might have inside information. Well, well, well what he what. said was <laughs> he gave you the inside information. Nothing good <laughs> 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 because we're not hearing anything uh, positive at this particular point. That's a shame. Well. That's too bad. I, 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 I hope Granderson plays as well as he has the last couple of games because that will fill a void they've had off the bench. So good luck today, and you guys, great show. Jack Ebbing, he's a pretty sharp guy. Wow, he told us some stuff, didn't he? Oh, he did. That was <laughs> That's as much information as you usually get in the whole show. Yeah, I, it, it filled me up. If you get yep. you and if you get Lauren and Jack together, you you got something going on. There's no comparison. I could take the day off. <laughs> yeah, Steve, that give you time to go play golf. There you go. Hey, Marty, thanks. Happy New <laughs> Year right, to thanks, you, guys. Yep. We've got about uh, two minutes left here on the show. Let's go back to this ball game today, three o'clock. Well, Steve, one thing, and and you know this: ninety-one free throw attempts by the th- opponents in the three Illinois losses. So the Right away, let's just not foul. I mean, that's you gotta you gotta keep Kopi in the ball game. That is essential because Jackson Davis is really good, and I would say that if either one of those guys gets in foul trouble, their team is in trouble. So that's what we gotta avoid. And one of the things we talked about throughout the show was home court advantage. But one of the stats we began with is the home team, home Big Ten teams have won ninety one out of what hundred games. What'd you say it was? Ninety-one and uh, the 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 teams right now in the Big Ten at yes. home yes. are sixty-nine oh, and six, nine. Sixty-nine and nine. Okay. Yeah, going into the day. I was thinking ninety-one and nine, but <laughs> but still, that sixty-nine and nine is more than maybe you would have thought. Now, of course, there are some easier games early in the season yeah, played absolutely. at home. We all understand, but but you had the you had the uh, ACC challenge, and you've got these Big Ten games. That's a heck of a record. That's going to take care of the show. We'll see you at the uh, State Farm Center with Ed Bond, Brian Barnhart, and Dion Thomas working the ball game today. Thanks to our guest, Ron Gunther. Always good to catch up with him. We also heard from uh, Brad Underwood. You'll hear more from him as we get uh, set for the ball game. Thanks to Jack Ebling for checking in from East Lansing and Jeff Rabjohns from, actually, he's in town, but he works out of uh, Bloomington, Indiana for 24-7 sports. Thanks to Blake Landa, our producer, as always. We appreciate your time. Thanks for those folks that called in with us on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For everybody uh, just mentioned, have a good weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon.